Welcome to episode 90 of the Book Wars Pod. I'm Kate, and I'm here with Chris and Kristen and Miranda live in our house. What up? A pound, pound. And today we are going to be wrapping up Twilight Company by Alexander Freed. And what's up, hoes? I'm back. Kate's back, motherfuckers. Sorry, who are you? Welcome home. Thank you. See, you're so nice to me. Chris, go fuck yourself. Chris <laughs> also just... I didn't just even hear drank. What he said it's not important. I know. Chris also just drank out of my beer bottle because he hates me, so that's great too. I thought it was my beer bottle, which I now realize I threw Chris, out like five minutes ago because it was empty. You fucking you can leave. Oh my god. I mean, I can. I can go take a nap. I'm pretty tired. Had a long day. Is, work. is it a nap if it's regular bedtime? Kate. Or is that just sleeping? Well, how how long are you intending to sleep, Chris? Depends on circumstances. Kate is the nap, the nap, the keeper of the nap it's, rules, though. It, it depends on how long you intend to sleep, Chris. Let's say I only intend to sleep while you record, and then I'm going to wake up again. Then that's a nap. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Glad we established this. Great. Great. A nap has, like, a, a, a set like a set boundary of time that you want to be asleep for, and, which is hopefully less than five hours. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, I have a set boundary of time when I go to sleep for the night. My naps are usually five hours, if I'm lucky. Ah, naps are so great. Um, <laughs> are we drinking, Chris? Are you drinking yes. anything, or do you, are you just gonna try to drink Kate's beer the whole time? Uh, both. Fucking... Yes. The answer is yes. Get away from my beer. Um, I and Miranda, we are both drinking. My precious. The famed on this podcast, uh, one eight distilling untitled number thirteen whiskey. Yeah, he's talked it up a lot, so I'm really hoping it's worth it. Have yeah. you tried it yet? No, mm-hmm. I was waiting for the podcast oh, to like okay. give you my raw thoughts on it. Okay, excellent. Well, do it live cheers. and in person. <laughs> yes. What do you think? It's pretty good. Tastes like bourbon, which is good because I'm pretty sure it's a bourbon. I know Chris probably said it just now, but I have already forgotten. He sure didn't. <laughs> It oh, is, I, it's a it, bourbon. It's it is a high rye bourbon. Oh, is this that rye one that we were talking about several episodes ago? Me having to try. I drink a lot of different rye whiskeys. I don't okay, think it well, is. Well, you know what? I think I gave that away. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> oh I didn't take it. Okay, but I gave I gave it I gave it to friend of the hosts, Kitty Borgman. So oh, take it up with that's her. That's true. I will accept that. Official. Katie's like one of the only people who is allowed. Um, official band friend of the pod. Uh, official. Do we por- have one yet? No, official pork shop babysitter of the pod. Uh, yes. Official pork shop babysitter <laughs> of the pod. That's yes, fair. The cutest. Um, Luckily, Kate. none of our other pork shop babysitters listen to the pod. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> so really what are you drinking? Those. What are you trying to drink that Dad's not letting you drink? Well, I am now out of my fucking Modelo Negro because Chris had several sips of it. I you took- are taking some decent pulls out of this bottle, <laughs> sir. I took two sips. You have to pass after the second. 
<laughs> this is great because now we can just give Miranda withering glares in person. Hey, somebody has to do it. Kristen's not here. So. It's true. Oh my fucking God. All right. So now, because Chris drank my beer, I'm having some shitty Trader Joe's brand White Claw. It is pomegranate flavored. Yum. So that's happening. I mean, I could go, I could also have gone for hard stuff, but let's be real. I'm going to be crunk as hell off of these two baby little things. Yeah, it's so good though. Aren't they like 5%? They're really delicious. Yes, they are. (laughs) As a matter of fact. So, you know, it's fine. Yeah. They're also gluten free, in case anyone was wondering. Well, that's why we love a hard seltzer. We love a hard seltzer for many reasons, but that is one of the reasons we love a hard seltzer. <laughs> They're appropriate for the whole adult family. <laughs> they are. If you have a gluten intolerance of any kind, you're all set. Also, Kristen, for you, I am also drinking a Modelo Negro on the side. Oh, that's a side beer. Mm. Yeah, I have, a, I have a pretty light pour of the whiskey because side I, I want to feel like a person tomorrow. Mm. So Can't relate. Yeah. Did I give you that light of pour? I guess I gave you a little less than me. Um, You're used to, like, the second person you're pouring for being me. No, I gave you a lot less than me. Okay. And so you're probably just like, this is fun. You're like, Miranda is my child, and I cannot. <laughs> no, it's well, more like I'm tired of getting here. yelled at. I'm tired of getting yelled at by Kate. Wow. Wow. Are you trying to cut me off when I pour her a perfectly reasonable amount of gin? neither confirm or deny so let's talk about star wars <laughs> no one asked me what i'm drinking oh hey yes, kristen what, are, what are you drinking i'm sorry i got distracted by chris being a fuck <laughs> um i'm drinking an alphadelic ipa from hop valley brewing co Ooh. um i have not had this and uh, i'm gonna go ahead and say chris's chris would fucking hate this um hop valley's out of eugene i've probably had their citrus sister once more Kristen citrus mistress on the podcast before um but we got like a over labor day or over memorial day excuse me we got um like a variety pack because I thought we were running out of beer but then we weren't so I had to bring them all home um (laughs) this is uh comes in at 90 IBUs 7.2 percent alcohol um a true northwest ipa two row and munich malts lay the groundwork for a simple medium-bodied malt profile while a combination of northwest hops and southern hemisphere hops add a tropical citrus bouquet she's a hoppy girl she is (laughs) 90 uh, is a lot of ibus 90 is a lot of ibus and um that's international bitterness units um and what i had a star wars beer this week i don't remember what it's called was it um, the she's she's fast enough for you, old man? No, because that one we had on the pod. Hold on, let me check. Talk among yourselves, and I will look it up. Yeah, let's talk about how Kristen was just straight up like, no, it's like wow, very rude. <laughs> but a, you know what? what? It's cool. What? Aww. Sorry. It's <laughs> 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 true. It was not that one. It was a different one, and I tweeted it from Tashi Station Brew House. And let me look. It was because it was a collab between. Oh, it it was. It's called the Kessel Run. It's called a Kessel Run, um, and it's a. It was a Loyal Legion collaboration IPA between Sun River Brewing and Loyal Legion. So That's great. I posted hey. that on Tashi Station Brew House, which we're finally recording a new episode of this week. So look out for that later. It's probably going to come out 
uh, later in the day, the same day that this comes out. So, fuck if yes. y'all want, I think we're having a D and D person on, and also they do soccer shit, so it should be fun. I don't know them. Sorry, I'm forgetting their name at the moment, but did someone you, I don't know, it should be great. Did Did the brew house ever brew my Anakin beer? I don't know. Great question. I, I think Brian might have. I need to ask him. I never actually followed up on that to see I don't know. how. We, we well, how much finally, of a train wreck it was. Yeah. Ask the Patreon Slack. I should. <laughs> and then we'll have to address it on the show. Yeah, because I brought it up now. Chris, Chris we, need right. to get a, we need to get a Pico when we move just because apparently my Canaan beer is fucking amazing. <laughs> we can. We, we may. Do it. Who knows? Do it. <laughs> Do it. Listen, Brian also told me I can make kombucha in that thing, so maybe you don't have to look at my disgusting fucking scoby all the time. I mean, our our kitchen is... We're going to have so much more space in our kitchen. Just called a kitchen. Yes, he did. Okay, great. Um, um, this beer is days, this beer. You would hate it, Chris. Um, it's delicious, Miranda. You would like it. It kind of tastes like trees. Love a tree beer. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> anyway, so everyone should get a Pico Brew. They do not sponsor the brew house, but they should. <laughs> How much are they? They're like two hundred bucks, right? Uh, it's a little bit more than that, but now you can do it with. Um, now you can do it with your own ingredients, so it brings the cost way down. I haven't tried it yet, so cannot speak to that, but tune in to Brew House to hear us fucking talk about it. Yeah. Noted. I mean, I did. I just bought a quest with my fucking insurance error in your favor money, so. Yay. But that oh, wasn't yeah, how your... is that? Are you going to do a bonus episode with other cool people who did that? We are. So if you are in the Tashi Station Patreon Slack and you are a Patreon supporter, uh, you saw a great video of me playing Vader Immortal. I think it's possible to say that you might be seeing another video of Miranda playing Vader Immortal as she just played it before we started recording tonight. Just oh, as soon shoot. as I figure out how to put the video on the Slack, because Slack mobile fucking hates it when I try to upload videos for whatever fucking reason. Oh, does it? Fascinating. Yeah, but you know blah, what? Blah, blah. I'll figure it out. Um, just for you guys. <laughs> yeah. So reasons Thanks, to join Mom. the Patreon and... As Kristen alluded to, at some point we're gonna have a little bit of a, a uh, little bit of a break at the end of June as me and Kate make our great journey west in our covered wagon. Um, so we'll no. try and, we'll try and record a bonus episode on Vader Immortal that'll come out during that period, so y'all don't have to go too long without the content that you tolerate. It <laughs> maybe me and Miranda will just get on and freestyle about whatever we want. Kate will That's, absolutely. I we would have no way to stop you. I was say like i was like could could we have kristen red mm, is that a good idea there's, idea there's no way that could go wrong also no also, way i have a very bad feeling about that oh <laughs> my fucking god also we are not going in a covered wagon only the best for pork chop sir oh, true so pork chop true. will get top quality air conditioning i'm flying him in my private jet that i own so it's, it's fine it was a very generous that's that's idea. how you got to Denmark and back, I hear. That's right. I took a private jet. Um, Miranda, I miss you so much. I'm drinking out of your Caps cup right now. Um, <laughs> can you... That's my water cup? I know. I'm drinking out of your... I'm drinking water out of it. Okay. I was about to say, like... <laughs> no, live, I wouldn't live your beer, best life. I wouldn't but... put beer in plastic. That is my... Unless it was a silly pint. 
That is my work water cup. <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> but I know. I'm just drinking ice water out of it because it's double walled. <laughs> okay. That is acceptable. <laughs> I just miss you. And if you were Aww. here, you'd be screaming about the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. I am always screaming about the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. I mean, the uh, people playing in the, sta- in the Stanley Finals right now are just fucking garbage. Yeah, so. two two worst fan bases in all of sports, TBH, if we're being honest. I'm okay with Okay, them. yeah, the Blues fan base isn't like the Cards fan base, though. And That's true. Like I, I'm, I'm speaking solely about the good the people of St. Louis, <laughs> not specifically the Blues fandom. I have no issue with the Blues. Yeah, I don't know about them. Miranda would know more, but she told me to root for them, so that's what we're doing. <laughs> I mean, you're, what are you going to do, root for Boston? Come on. Yeah, really. fuck no. I mean, um, what do you mean, fuck no, Red Sox fan? Okay, I only root for one Boston team, okay? I mean, one too many, but it's better than and two. It, and it pains me, and it pains your mother. <laughs> it's complicated. Um, okay, now that we're t- 13 minutes into the podcast, <laughs> should we talk about Star Wars? I mean, Maybe? I don't think that's a record, so probably not. Oh my god, shut! <laughs> I know, but this uh, book was so good. I want to talk about it. That's fair. I appreciate you contributing to the outline, Kristen. I was like, I was literally ten You're seconds away drag from dragging Kristen in our group chat, but then she had already texted me, like, "Has somebody created an outline? I have stuff to put in it." Because last week you were so excited to for this wrap up, and I was like, "Okay, can you put stuff in the outline then?" Because I'm kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> okay also i'm not totally inept i was on the bus when i thought of it so i asked someone that was by a computer to create no that's it. true i wasn't just Sorry. being a lazy that's, shit that's 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 as Im- much as that is on that's an important qualifier the point of that story was not to drag Kristen, even though i couldn't drag Kristen. it was it was to say that Kristen is undraggable in this specific one to two hour period of time hey you know what me asking about the outline means i probably read the outline at least what you Which wrote. Which is great. One in a row. When I read our, and I read, oh, let me drag Chris. And I read the bonus story um, with limited time and showered because Chris uh, didn't tell us to read it. It's true. Yeah. I, I told him before I went to Greece, you have one job. Please remind them on the wrap up that we should be talking about the short story found in the back of the paperback edition. Didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I finished playing Vader Immortal. And Kate was like, have you read the short story? We have five minutes until we're scheduled to record. <laughs> that sounds right. Book Wars pod. <laughs> Nothing but the best preparation. Oh, God. Let's talk about the rebellion, motherfuckers. Woo! Also, ah. <laughs> Big yikes. Yeah, this, um, this book teaches us different new things about the rebellion, doesn't it? Like how it's a hot ass mess. I mean, the we, hottest ass. It's not like we didn't know that. To oh, be fair, true. we knew that, but it's a little more of a hot mess than like I personally thought it was. Like I thought they had their shit generally under control, and it turns out that is not the case. It's less I of they a. Were getting like space telegrams at least or something from high command. Right. Like I mean, if you're gonna have a, a you know, we obviously it's a ragtag scrappy group of underdogs but i was just like you know they have a military hierarchy and everything not a military hierarchy that makes sense because i don't know why harrison doula is a general but a pilot but anyway you know yeah that's still weird yeah i'm still confused about that which is fine um but yeah no it's a it's a little it's a it's it's a little more dire than that it's just 
You know, it's just like, oh, we, we have to scatter and we are cut off and um, we don't know where High Command is right now because Luke fucked off to Dagobah and... Um, and everybody else also fucked off. Sure did. It's going to go live in a space penis for a couple of days. Like... <laughs> <laughs> As you do. We've all been there. I get oh it. Oh my god! I mean, <laughs> with real estate prices what they are, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, but I just I think it's amazing that like when they couldn't contact anyone, eventually what they got around to was like, well, I guess we'll go just like start attacking some planets. I, I know. We'll like, we I guess we'll kind go of, We kind of have an end goal. This will be fine. <laughs> I know. It's just like. Oh, does the Empire own it? Guess we'll blow it up, because what the fuck else are we going to do right now? Yeah, no, literally, it's like, well, option A is to not blow stuff stuff up. Option B is to blow stuff up. So we're going to go with option B. <laughs> Sounds more fun. Who says no? Yeah. <laughs> um, Who doesn't well, say no? Chalice. Chalice does not say no. <laughs> and so we... And the other thing about that is we... Oh shit! I had I had a point. Where did it go? Fuck! Oh, uh, and we talked about this a little bit. I don't remember in which episode. Maybe like the second one for this book. Anyway, whichever one where we see them openly recruiting after they like go in and fuck shit up places. <laughs> um, but I thought that was like a particularly interesting part of this book, and like a particularly interesting rebellion thing to do that. It's probably because, like, I don't think about it, but I'm like, oh, shit, that, I guess that makes sense, but also, holy shit. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but this actually came up in, like, a couple of different sections that we read, and in one of them, it really sounded like something that was specifically a Twilight Company thing. Right, because I think it was that Howl, like, he was specifically told, don't do this in case uh, Imperial Sympathizers just randomly decide to s- sign up and start spying on us. And Howl was like, mm, don't care. <laughs> the thing is, I've got a good judge of character that will make that not happen. Ha ha. Ha Yeah, but I, like... I don't know if that's something that necessarily gives us insight into the rebellion as much as it does to like how Twilight Company operates. Right. Because they clearly, um, as we see throughout the book, like have a lot of pride in what they are as an organization. And, you know, we see a lot of characters um, kind of more dedicated to Twilight Company than to the rebellion. They might not necessarily believe in all the idealism and all of that. But they believe in, like, their mission right here, right now. And, like, protecting their friends. Amir yeah. sure doesn't fucking care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Amir and Brand, I would argue, too, doesn't actually care about the rebellion. She cares about Howl. So, and Twilight. Yes. So what actually is driving the rebellion at large, if we've got all these cynical-ass motherfuckers just kind of being like, I actually kind of hate this. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting um, because this yeah. book... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. No, 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 no. Go ahead, Chris. It sounded like you were about to make an actual salient point. <laughs> um, well, it's just interesting because, you know, we've talked a lot about how Rogue One is kind of the natural counterpart to this story in its tone and in its, you know, kind of gr- hashtag grittier uh, portrayal of war. Uh, but Rogue One is very much about ideology. Like, it's about charismatic leaders, sure, because... It's a movie and you need main characters you care about. But, like, it's very much like rebellions are built on hope. 
what have they brought us? Hope. Like, literally, literally it's not even subtext. It's just straight up text. <laughs> and so, like, that is very much hammering home that the rebellion is about ideology and is about fighting for what is right against tyranny. And, you know, the whole point is they do have other options. Like, Jin has had a, like, Jin hasn't had the luxury of political opinions. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't look up all this stuff. Um, but once you get into this book, that kind of all falls apart because except for maybe Gadrin, I don't think any of the senior people that we meet in Twilight Company are driven at all by ideology. And sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, again, I, as we were saying, it's, it's more of a sense of personal loyalty and, you know, um, the idea that this unit is a family um, as opposed to anything else. But this is, this is something we have seen before. It's not, it's not something I think that's isolated to um, Twilight Company. Um, we, we've definitely seen it before. And for example, like Thane Kyrell in Lost Stars, like mm-hmm. he gave no actual fucks about the rebellion. He just knew that it was better than the empire. Cause the empire is literally fucking enslaving people. So he was like, well, Guess I'll die, and by die I mean quit. <laughs> and probably die. Yeah, and probably die, honestly. Um, you know, we, I mean, I, and also, like, you know, like, Nora's crew in the Aftermath trilogy, you know, like, people, for example, like, Singer or Jess, like, they, they don't, like, they, they want to be where the money's at and wherever place that will probably keep them alive. And then it develops into personal loyalty for Nora and the other people on the team and then personal loyalty for like Leia and Mon Mothma and you know for Singer that grows into oh I I guess I kind of care about the cause but for Jash she's like you know they they get the job done and she's like "Mm, bye (laughs) yeah no and and I think you touched on kind of the other two motivators for what is driving different aspects of the rebellion you know you have that motivator (sighs) Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Please continue. Um, Bad. Motivators. Uh, so you have kind of the the Jass, the Sinjir, at least at the beginning. Definitely the Thane motivation, which is you don't really have any other options. Like, you know you don't like the Empire. You know the Empire is not working for you. Other than that, kind of don't give a shit. That's the more, that's the, that's the fighting what we hate motivator i guess of of last jedi fame Ooh, yeah right can Um, i come can i come in with before this is that thing that happens where i had a point and no go for it too far away from the point for me to make the point um and then i come in and it makes no sense uh yes we We do we love we love a point we love it when kristen makes a point and just doesn't (laughs) come in and say something fucking stupid um i love you yes I think Jin is an interesting exception to what I'm about to say because she was like hashtag gritty and just like <laughs> obviously like got the fuck off of planets and like was raised by Saw and had like the means to kind of fucking keep her head down if she wanted to. I think a lot of these other people who end up joining the rebellion in Twilight that we see they're just like 
well, and I'm like, I feel like I would kind of fall into this category if this happened to me. It's like, well, the Empire came and fucked up my home, or Twilight came and fucked up my home, and the Empire is not going to let me, like, kind of do what I want, or, like, be an individual, so I'm going to join this other thing instead of just, like, waiting around here on this blown-up shithole to die. Right, and it's like... You know, the Rebellion doesn't have a ton of resources, but, you know, you you wake up every day, and you, have, you probably have a roof over your head, and you're probably getting fed, so, sure. And, like, you're allowed to have contraband alcohol. I mean, you're not allowed to have it, but <laughs> that's, also, that's, like, it's a thing. That's like, why you know it's what I mean? contraband. You're not, you're not fucking a stormtrooper with... It, they don't give you a, a number when you join, which is better i would say that's true if you're caught with alcohol you get like a demerit not like a lightsaber through the chest that's true also you're probably literally not fucking a stormtrooper it's true also probably <laughs> true Yo, i'm just gonna say when you said that jen is hashtag gritty i just really <laughs> pictured gritty in Jin's baton beatdown <laughs> sequence on jenna oh oh yeah my no, I know. god <laughs> we stand just gritty on this the podcast gif, the gif of gritty turning around but with the fucking like beatdown batons <laughs> Can can somebody can somebody do this, please? Heath, Heath, Heath. <laughs> we all shout Heath loud enough. <laughs> He's like, I refuse to listen to the court spot. So <laughs> I still felt know. something as I if know. four people suddenly cried out, and I didn't care. <laughs> uh, Heath D. Williams, Photoshop maestro of Star Wars Twitter. <laughs> um. Yeah, but I'm sorry, Kristen. That was a really good point. Yeah, actually, it was. Us. It it was a good point, and it is Thank something you. that we we saw in this book, <laughs> and we have discussed previously um, while like discussing this. We discussed it while discussing this book. Correct, um, as one is wont to do. That's how it works, <laughs> but like that's very much kind of the path that Namir takes to the rebellion. Uh, you know. Because, like, we saw when he was on Crucible. Correct. It's the planet he is from. Uh, he was Miranda fighting... Miranda 1, Kristen 0. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, my God. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> he was, like, fighting for the Empire because, like, that's how he got to stay alive. And then the Rebellion won that battle. And they were like, oh, when he got to the front of that line, they're like, do you want to join? And he was like, well... I need to sleep somewhere. I'd like some food and some, like, medic stuff. As you, like, flap <laughs> at your person, she's just, like, making hand gestures. But, yes, she, she he was severely hurt. For medical assistance. <laughs> so, he, like, he's, like, this is the most logical option. And I think when they do um, their, like, open recruiting after any battle, like, where the fuck else are these people going to go? Mm-hmm. It's like everybody they know just got super dead. So. Yep. No more food for them. Yeah. Womp womp. And then kind of the third option of what's driving the rebellion is its leaders. You know, you have, it is undoubtedly driven by charismatic leaders. And this is something we've known since A New Hope, obviously, with the big three and particularly Luke and Leia. Although there's definitely some poor sad sack who, like, decided to name himself Han Solo, like, after you know, Han Solo, and then realized that Han Solo is actually a dick. 
great. It's like all those people who named their kid Daenerys. Ah. <laughs> oh. oh, wow, what a burn. Boy, I, I'm boy, sorry. Boy, <laughs> boy. I, Damn, living in King's Landing with that burn. That's a good one. That's a good this one. Is I don't a, even watch this television program. This is spoiler pod. This is not a spoiler-free podcast. <laughs> it uh, never is. This Twitter, is not spoiler-free about... spoils Game of Thrones the second it happens. Well, people yeah. could stay off Twitter and still listen to this podcast. Highly I don't know why, but... <laughs> the specifics have not been... I've actually been really good, just in case I feel like watching it. I'm sure I'm going to give it in, like, three days, but... I've been really good about like skipping through pods where they talk about the specific shit that happened, but I, do, I just, am I even going to go back and watch it? Probably not. You shouldn't. Anyway, <laughs> so what I was saying is with the charismatic leaders, like, yeah, and we see it at the beginning of this book, you know, where Roach chooses her name and Numir kind of rolls his eye and he's like, at least it's not another fucking Leia, am I right? And Bro, it's, that like, was one of my favorite parts of this book, honestly, with yeah. Numir being like... Are these children for real? Like, yeah, because you do like have this? these inspirational figures, like, and obviously we all grew up with them, but there are young people in the galaxy who are growing up with them as well and know Princess Leia as, you know, this contraband figure who is, like, mysterious but want, fighting for their interests. And Mon Mothma, who is famously so charismatic and, you know, wins over the galaxy and Bail Organa before he, you know, unfortunately goes boom and Luke Skywalker Damn. and... Admiral Akbar, I guess, if you like fish. Um, why are you? Why are you? That was rude. That was that wow. was overly rude to Admiral Chris, Akbar. That I apologize. Entire fucking point was rude. You piece of fucking shit. <laughs> Sorry. Like, Just, are you serious? Why do you have to? Why do you have to drag bail like that? Like, I know. That, also, that like, was rude. To Admiral be fair, Akbar I, died for your sins. So excuse the fuck out of you. So did Bail. Fuck. Right. Also, Bail went boom through no fault of his own. That's I never implied that it was his fault. Except for running a secret rebellion against the Empire, but that's like a minor detail. Yeah. <laughs> that's very clearly a blameless crime. Victimless crime is what that is. Oh um, my god. I, but I, so you have so anyway, before as I get shattered <laughs> down, you have these charismatic leaders and but then that comes back to bite them when after the evacuation of Hoth, nobody knows where the fuck they are. Right, I was gonna say this is like I mean, charismatic leadership is probably one of the rebellion's unique strengths, which is kind of interesting because, of course, the Empire, their whole shtick is ruling through fear. Um, very Machiavelli style. Um, but again, as you said, this is, a, this is also, of course, a unique weakness, which we have literally seen throughout history how, you know, charismatic leaders just, like, fucking die or whatever the hell. And then it's like, well... Don't know what to do with myself anymore. Yeah, no, cool, it's cool, what... cool. Alexander the Great just fucking died of dysentery. What am I supposed to do with myself now? Absolutely, and it's 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 you said it perfectly. Like it's it's an amazing resource if you can harness it, but it's gone like that. And you know we see this even in democracy when you look at you know kind of political. Uh, analysis of elections and how the Obama coalition doesn't turn out for people who aren't Obama. Yeah, I was about to say, like, literally, that is it. It's Obama. Yeah. Like, that's wah, a great... Wah, wah. Yeah, and as we all die. Ah. Metaphorically and literally. Can I have health care? No. Nope. No? Okay, cool. None. Yeah, good. We're all on the same page. Great. Um, great. 
Oh my god, it was sorry, this is does not matter, but this was a very cute aside. My therapist the other time I was in there, she was like, Oh, I'm trying to get like off of the panel for the health insurance that you have, but I still have it right now. So it's fine. What's your copay? And I was like, That is so cute that you think that I just have a copay and not a deductible. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, You just have to charge me. I have a deductible that I haven't met yet, but that is really nice of you to think that I that is how good my health insurance is. I picked the best one, but no, I still have a very large deductible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck me. Uh, Everything's fine. Oh, Jesus. Everything's great. Nothing's wrong with the American healthcare system at all. We all love capitalism. Hey, I'm used to paying out of pocket for my therapist, and thank God I have the means to do so. So it was just really cute that she thought that that was a. I know, that is really funny. <laughs> Fuck all of us. Um, anyway. Yeah. My last point on charismatic leaders, it really makes me wonder, and of course this never, this just never would have happened for personality and logistical reasons, but it makes me wonder how Thrawn would have fared in the rebellion. Ooh. I think Thrawn would have been very stressed out all the time. <laughs> Accurate. Aww. Miranda, talk more about that. Why you think you and Thrawn are the same. What? <laughs> I have never said this. He is much smarter than I am. But our big blue boy is very much like a logistics and order kind of person. And the rebellion clearly operates on not that. They're just like, this seems like a good idea. Let's send everybody important to one ice planet. And then like just get invaded by the Empire. And then we're all going to fuck off for a couple months. And nobody's going to talk to anybody else. And, like, who knows if this is even still going on. We're just going to have rogue little companies attacking random-ass planets. And I think Thrawn would lose his goddamn mind. I mean, can you imagine Thrawn being at the meeting in Return of the Jedi where Han Solo is made a fucking general? (laughs) Fucking seriously. Because he went his head would fucking explode. I I will say this about Thrawn, though, uh, as it relates to this book, I think he would very strongly approve of Chalice's plan. Oh, 100% he would agree. live for that shit, but, like, everything else in the Rebellion is going to be a hard no from him. Well, he loves a slow burn. <laughs> he does. He does. <laughs> he yeah. loves, like, a, this doesn't make any sense to anybody, but once you see my grand plan... Yeah, Thrawn's plans need a whole season to play out. There's no question about that. It's true. I feel like he and Chalice would be like grudging respect kind of colleagues. I would watch that buddy comedy for sure. Oh, God, yes. That would be amazing. Thrawn would just look at Luke Skywalker and be like, are you fucking kidding me? But also, this makes so much sense. Uh... (laughs) I think Thrawn would like maybe hand-to-hand combat murder Han and be like, it was for the good of the rebellion. (laughs) Captain Solo, can you do this one simple errand? No, no, no. errand boy, Only this. I mean, he would just hear Luke, like, start talking and he'd just be, like, whining about I don't know what and just be like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen this kind of bullshit before. (laughs) No. For real. He would hear the name Skywalker, and he would just be like, fuck. I know, like, well, they're screwed. Guess I- Never mind, I quit. We're yeah. done here. <laughs> like- 
Let me show you to this airlock, young Skywalker. <laughs> oh, fucking God. Uh, okay. That's so sad. Do I want to talk about Brand? <laughs> Let's talk about Yay. Brand. Yay. I um, love so Brand. Ron would like Brand. I think Ron would like I Brand. Think, I think so, too. Um, let's talk about Brand since I, I had to last minute tell our children to fucking read the short story because you did not. Um, so the story that I'm referring to is called In Brief, and it's by Janine K. Spendlove, and it's at, as I think I said before, the back of the paperback version of the book. It's Kristen checked it out, and it's not on the it's audiobook. It's not on the room. audiobook. It yeah. is in the Kindle version. So. Oh, cool. Okay. Yes, um, that's how I read it. Uh, so this is... Um, another one of those stories that first appeared in Star Wars Insider, and they're, you know, kind of just slowly sticking relevant ones in the back of books that they're related to. But basically, it's a, it's kind of just a character portrait of Brand and her childhood and how she wound up becoming a bounty hunter and how she wound up joining Twilight Company, which is kind of fun because, you know, Brand is such a great character, and I, I do love how Spend Love really doubles down on the fact that she is not a white person <laughs> like she is um nope. i know um so Janie K. spendlove is actually an author who is local to us here um in dc on the east coast um and i know that her background is that um she is brazilian and so i think she really kind of infused brand's character with that um her you know things she knows about her culture and how people like live in, Interesting. Bra- in brazil mm-hmm. Um, because it's got, definitely has a flavor, definitely has a Latinx flavor, and it's definitely, like, Brand is obviously a black Latinx lady, so it was cool. It was very cool to see. Yeah. Uh, If I can just go back really quick to, like, what the story was about. Um, The one thing I did realize, like, halfway through, because I was speed reading to get it in before the pod, but really appreciated, was that... Thanks, Chris! (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) We finally got to see, like, what came of her trying to murder Hal. Because it was referred to, like, all the time in the, like, text of the book. But it it would always kind of seem like it would be something that, oh, we'll learn it later. We'll learn it later. And then Hal got dead for real, and we never found out. And (laughs) I just thought it was very exciting to get that little extra information. Yeah, totally. I mean, it was. Um, a- I thought it was very rude that this was after the book, and that I had to contemplate a live Howl again because I love him and he's a very cool character, and I wanted to cry again. Uh yeah, and no it's bullshit. It, it it was nice getting to see him alive again, just because he like dies like not even quite halfway through the book, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> like I mean, of course he died halfway through the book because this is the kind of book it is, but also. Oh no, he was so eccentric and fun, um, but it's it's a very it's a very howl and a very brand interaction I think, and this, which is which is pretty fun. Um, but Brand is also obviously not the first bounty hunter we've ever seen, and definitely not the first bounty hunter we've ever seen in the books. And Chris, I know you was this your point? I think you wanted to talk a little this bit about that. This was my point. Yes. So obviously, Chris has points. It's shocking. I know. Big if true. No one said they were good points. I'm a white man. Obviously, I have points. Oh, my God. Uh, so, obviously, when we think of bounty hunters in the new canon, it's interesting because they are, I think, almost exclusively women. Uh, Mercurial Swift, I believe, being the sole exception. Ooh. Um, 
Which women get shit done on like one uh, Boba Fett. Yeah, well, I mean, I, <laughs> I, you're absolutely right, and I think that that is an interesting discussion that maybe we'll have when the Mandalorian comes out because mm. I think that's I think that's a much larger point that I would love to have and I want to do it justice, but I want to think about brand versus the other bounty hunters that we've seen and you know because of the way the canon has played out the other female bounty hunters that we've seen and specifically i'm thinking about jasamari from the aftermath trilogy and of course ventress um who becomes a bounty hunter after her kind of failed go round as a sith lord yeah and we see that in both the clone wars and dark disciple by chrissy golden i which, a book which I try to think about seldom, not because I didn't like it, but because it made me cry so fucking hard. You're going to love Jedi Lost. Oh, Jesus. Um, not ready, but go on. Right? But yeah, like, it's, I liked Brand because I do, I feel like the the Lady Bounty Hunter, uh, I'm trying to think of, trying to think of the right word. The Lady Bounty Hunter kind of characterization, the... Stereotype's not the right word, but like the um there's a specific word I'm looking for. Kate help me, like the, trope. the template. Trope, thank you. Thank you, thank you to you both. Um the trope is that, you know, you know, hashtag strong female character, you know, strong and silent, is willing to get her hands dirty. Like, you know, you have this you have all this bullshit. But you do have in these three characters, you obviously have some similarities in that they are all not super emotional. Uh, they are all obviously incre- incredibly competent and more so than all the men surrounding them, which point made, but also like, where's the lie? Um, trauma galore. Trauma galore. Absolutely. And kind of have this air of mystery to them, I feel like. And so that's what we see similarly, but I feel like they also have like some pretty major differences. I don't know. What do you, what did y'all think about that? I mean, I, I think um, probably one of the more interesting things about Brand is, like, as we were saying, Hal commands a lot of personal loyalty. And Brand totally buys into that. You know, we see folks like Jas, who who's, you know, I work alone sort of types of people, or, um, you know, Ventress, who is really trying to resist um, feeling any personal involvement with um, Quinlan and... Brand though, like her, her interpersonal connections are strong, and you know when they lose people in the company, she she feels it and she lets herself feel it. See, I think that's a good point, and maybe that is a little focused on like the nuances between them, but I also feel like they all kind of have that soft spot, and I, it's something we see in Star Wars like all the fucking time. Oh sure, like Han Solo the hotshot smuggler with a heart of gold you know we we see brand really come to love howl and twilight company and i think she'd do anything to protect the folks in it and like you know jazz jazz clearly loves um jazz (laughs) (laughs) she clearly loves the rest of uh whatever squad name do they have a squad name they don't have one she loves her little crew that she's running with nora's murder team and um (laughs) jazz loves nora's murder team and like (laughs) you know we we kind of got like the off-screen off-book um 
depiction of what's his fuck dying her boyfriend mm-hmm. um and that was hard but like she's still very much like over the course of the aftermath trilogy develops into somebody with feelings for the people around her and i feel like is less of a like i'm a bounty hunter i'm gonna do it and she's also doing all these bounties for like good reasons to pay off her aunt's debts and if we want to look at um ventress like i don't think hers is as pronounced as the others but like she's still got some feelings she's not totally like in it for herself she's not you know totally i'm i'm in it for the money and like otherwise fuck off so there's a point somewhere in that yeah I think, no, no, I think that's, I think all the, as Randa slaps items on the table, um, I think all that is true, I just think that as, maybe not so much in the short story, but as we are introduced to Brand in the book, she has already gotten to the point where she has allowed herself to open up. Yeah, that, that is a fair point. Yeah, to me, what I love about them is that they all have different motivations, I feel like, at this at the point in which we see them. Obviously, Brand is, as we've talked about, just straight up loyal. Like, she has been to, you know, whether you call it a true believer, whether you call it loyalty to Howell, she is a rebel. Like, that is that is who she is through and through. She has plenty of opportunities to leave the rebellion even after Howell dies, and she does not do so. Um, I feel like you can kind of contrast that with Jass, because Jass is like, you know, she she is, you know, quote unquote good. I like I feel like, you know, we look at her kind of memories of her Aunt Shugi and you look at what? Did I pronounce that weird? Sugi. Sugi. <laughs> I was about to say you just pulled that name right out of your ass. That was very impressive. <laughs> it's getting very different looks from Miranda and Kate, apparently. <laughs> I um, mean, and both of our reactions track completely. Yeah. Um <laughs> Like, you you have her kind of, like, grudging idolization of her Aunt Sugi. You have her eventual, frankly, abandonment of her stated goal of money and her stated goal of being an actual mercenary and to do the stuff. But at the end of the day, she is, frankly, still looking out for number one. Like, she's, other than during the course of jobs, which, like, bounty hunting is a dangerous job and you kind of need to have at least a little bit of a death wish to do it. Like, you never see herself straight up being like, this is a bad idea for me, and I'm going to do it anyway. Like, she is, I would say, the most, quote-unquote, mercenary of the three. And then Ventress is kind of just driven by this combination of, like, a need to prove her competence and revenge. And that, I feel like, stems all back to Dooku and her relationship with him. And we'll, you know, we've talked about that, and I'm sure we will talk about that when we read uh, when we listen to Jedi Lost um later this summer. I don't I don't super agree with your assessment of Jess. I mean like she went she did go back for 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 Nora and got Dave Jakku. So Yeah, it's a fair point. Um but uh, other than that, like I, I I do take your point. Who the fuck put Pew Pew Revenge on the Who outline? Who the fuck what do you think, do you think <laughs> put Pew Pew Revenge on the outline? God damn it, you were so on brand. It was Chris. It was not. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> I just it's just interesting because like she gets her revenge obviously in this super short story um she's just like very complicated 
like i mean obviously all, i agree with all the things that you guys have said but i she's just like even though she gets her pew pew revenge she's just like <laughs> well fuck do i do well what do i do now right which I, is- I i get i i guess i could go do something else it's always, it's always the trick with revenge, isn't it? What the fuck do you do after you achieve revenge? Well, that's why they encourage them to not join the rebellion for revenge. Or the Sith. I have too many jokes running through my head and none of them are good or make any sense. <laughs> I mean... I mean, One might argue yeah. all would fit this podcast. Yeah. Uh, also, you could say them anyway. Chris does that all the time. <laughs> but Live your th- life with the that is a specific thing that happened in this book, though. When Namira went to join, they were like, do you want revenge against the Empire? And he was like, I don't fucking care. And they were like, sold. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that was incredible. Yes, yes. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. You, you, you had an actual point, which I interrupted. That, you're absolutely that right. That was a valid point. Uh, sidebar, I really like how he was like, oh, I have to prove my like worth to these people. And he's like, well, my worth is I'm really good at reading people. Completely disregards his like assessments of people anyway, like pretty much constantly. And I was, just, and he's just there, like, God damn it, why the fuck am I still here? <laughs> like, what a mood. I know, like relatable <laughs> as hell. Yeah. And we got into that a little bit last episode when we talked about Hal and Namir's relationship and kind of how Hal saw command potential in Namir. But like, I don't know. We can talk about that a little bit. Why the fuck is he still here? Like, why'd they keep him around? Because he's very good at murder. (laughs) (laughs) He's extraordinarily good at murder. And I mean that in like literally like pew-pewing people in the fucking face. But also he's very good at strategy as well. Um, You know, he takes takes the, the information that Chalice, you know, pulls out of her fucking brain hole. And she helps out. But he's just like... Yeah, I can I can execute, and then you know we uh, we especially see it um in the um the the factory where the fuck on Solist where he's just like, all right, we are putting um random fucking filing cabinets here, here, and here, and these are choke points, and it's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's important to like kind of um delineate when we say strategy about that, like. He's not a grand strategy person. He's a nuts and bolts person. Because mm-hmm. he's been fighting in wars for, like, mm-hmm. Ever. All, all of his not-quite-adult life. And so he's, like, seen enough shit to know how to make it work. And, like, he's been in Twilight Company for a couple of years. He's well-respected. And people know that, like, he can be trusted to, like, run little operations and shit yeah definitely i mean he he talks a lot of shit but everybody knows that you know when 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 the shit hits the fan like he's gonna he's gonna be down for anybody in the company so Mm -hmm. see it's interesting because except for that last thing you just said kate i actually completely disagree with you (laughs) um great (laughs) kate's excited for this point why Um, who asked you dad (laughs) the listeners that wasn't a Fuck question. off. <laughs> also, that's... That's, actually, that's, that's false. No one listening. I, I was going to say, that's absolutely not no. true, but go it's, on. My burner accounts asked me. Um, <laughs> Chris, you fucking shit it. Just talk. I hate you. Um, but no, and, and Miranda, I think you really got to kind of the heart of it. He's... I, I, part of where I disagree with you is I don't think he's a strategy person at all. I think kind of what 
is revealed in the second half of Twilight Company where Chalice is really running the show and he's kind of like, okay, um, is that he is not smart. Like, and this is not a knock on him. He does not have the correct thinking. He's a fucking idiot. <laughs> I mean, he's not an idiot, but he, his his skills and tactics and not strategy. And I think that that's a difference. Well, okay, what's what's the difference for you between tactics and strategy? Because I was going to say, like, on the ground, like, battle by battle, like, in terms of strategy, like, yeah, he can do that. That, to me, is tactics. Okay. Yeah. To me, strategy is overarching what is our goal. Okay. That is the point that I was trying to make. Thank you for making it into words. No, absolutely. And, and, And as I said, like, that was very much, like, what I got from what you were saying as well. Um, But, so to me, he's, like, I don't think he's kept around for his strategic chops. I think his tactical chops are helpful. But to me, I feel like he's kept around because kind of his initial, like the point of him when he joins up and when Hal has that initial conversation with him is that he knows people. And. Which is ironic for how much he fucking hates people. I mean. <laughs> sometimes it'd be like that. It's yeah, true. It's, it's, it's funny how that works sometimes. I mean, I say that. I, I am literally like that. Yeah. Actually. Like. It's funny how the people who hate people so much have the best instincts about people. And I think he's like that. And I think that it's a recognition from certainly Howell, but also his peers that, like, he has this innate talent for reading people and the ability to read people. Like, you know, tactics you can teach, strategy you can kind of teach. Like, instincts on people you can't teach. And I feel like that's the the command potential that that Hal saw in him and kept him around for. Like, I think his military prowess was like, yeah, that's a bonus. Like, that's helpful. He is, he is in spite of himself, a people person. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know, you look at people like um, like Von Gies, who was a medic. Von, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that, how we're pronouncing it. I think it might be Van, Von Gies. Von Gies. That, that's, if we're, if we're going German galactic spelling or German galactic pronunciation, it would be Von Gies. I like it. Um, I like it. We're going to go with that. Well, we have the guy star already. I think we are. Huh? We have the guy star already, so. That's that's a good point. Uh, I think Um, we're going to go with that. So, but yeah, you look at Von Von Guys, and he's a medic. He's literally, he's non, he's a non-combatant. Like, you know, if you're a medic in a war zone, there's kind of like a ceiling to like, you know, are you competent? Great. Unless you're like a fucking miracle worker, there's kind of a ceiling to your usefulness. Great. (laughs) And, but Von Geis has this kind of high position with Hal and within the command staff because kind of, I think, similar to Namir, he knows people and he knows the company and he knows how to get what he, what he needs out of them. And I feel like that to me is more the primary goal of Hal's with training Namir and everything else to me was incidental. Well, to, to be fair, Von Geis is more uh, institutional memory than anything else. I, that's, that, I, also, that is fair. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing too, if we want to go back a little bit to the like whole charismatic leader thing about the rebellion and how that's what holds the whole operation together. Uh, I don't think Namir thinks of himself as a charismatic guy, but he's very clearly somebody that people look up to. Yes. And is it, you know, because he can read people so well and that helps him interact with them? Is it because he's been around Twilight Company for so long there, there's no way of really knowing, but he is trusted by Hal, who everybody loves. And people clearly, I mean, I don't know if we 
know for sure if they love him, but they trust him enough mm-hmm. to follow him into all these fuck shit battles. For sure. I and mean, that's what matters. I, <laughs> um, I mean, we know that Roach certainly like gloms onto him pretty much immediately. Um, but also like, I think, so this is, this is going to sound like a tangent, but it's not actually. Okay. So I was, I was, I was talking to, um, a friend recently and I was like, I, I have this thing where like people will like, I, I uh, will also glom onto me for like various reasons. And I, which I completely do not understand. I am mom friend. Yeah, but also like I'm not I'm not a people person. I I'm, I don't think I'm a particularly nice person, honestly. Like I've met people who are like truly like generous, kind, lovely human beings, and I'm I'm not one of them. Which is like it's fine. Like we can't all be those people. Um, but I was just like, so why the f- why the fuck are people like so att- get get attached to me? And I'm like not saying this to boast. I'm saying this because it literally happens in my life. Um, and you know I I feel like people on this podcast can like independently um, like confirm that. But also. You know, I was like, why? Me. Hi. Um, but I was like, why the fuck does this keep happening to me? And she's like, it's because you, you have this air of competence about you that people are like, oh, she knows what the fuck she's doing. So, like, I can ask her for advice or whatever the hell. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not competent. But, like, I think it's Amir. <laughs> Honestly, like, I, I do, I do, like, I think that, I think, I think he's that guy for, for a lot mm-hmm. of the, the fresh meat and the other people in Twilight Company. Yeah. He's the guy who tourists see on the street and are like, I'm going to ask him for directions. Yes. It's like, it doesn't matter if his headphones are in and he also looks like a tourist today. Yep. That's me. He people, will direct you to the red line. People always ask him for directions <laughs> and the horrible... Fuck the red line. Honestly. Oh, my God. Yeah, honestly, if he's giving good directions, he's not directing you to the red line. <laughs> That's true. Uh, people legitimately always ask me for directions, which is awful because I have no sense of direction. I you still... You also hate people. I, yes. But I also still get lost <laughs> literally in, like, DC is a grid and sometimes I still get confused. Like, it's not cool. Like, it's not... Never ask me for directions, by the way. I can confirm. Kate Kate has many talents and is a brilliant woman. Her sense of direction is poor. It's it's pretty we'll bad. We'll leave it at that. It's poor. <laughs> Same. It's, it's very bad. Oh my god, why do you guys like this? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do I want to talk about the book itself? Cool. We do, but I want to yeah. pee. I'm, I'm going to have to drop off in like two minutes. Oh shit! So oh, I'll I'll hold it. Let's go. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry, I just put a European in in a lift. No, she no, was no. Like, you're I'll perfect. take a taxi to you, and I was like, "You will not. <laughs> this is a lift. Look for a great Toyota Camry." And then she couldn't find it. And then oh my God. I ordered another one, and it was also a great Toyota Camry. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> amazing! Amazing! I'm leaving that. We're leaving that in because it's very funny. Yes. <laughs> I was like, it's also a gray Toyota Camry, but it should be a different man driving. <laughs> Amazing. Fantastic. This is Danish co like Danish former co Yeah, somehow Denmark is still taking me away from this podcast. <laughs> but Twist. She came fucking halfway across the world, so I'm making... But you know what? In perfect me fashion, I'm making her come to my house, so I'm not leaving. <laughs> cool. All right. Blah, blah, blah. So yeah, let's talk about the book before we wrap up. All right, so um, before we get into what we enjoyed about this book, I wanted to um, give a brief history of modern war literature because I do think that um, Alexander Freed's 
um, writing style and his subjects, um, and especially this book, and I assume uh, the forthcoming Alphabet Squadron really emerge, I think, from this tradition. And this is the part where everybody fast forwards while I nerd the fuck out, but that is fine. Don't fast forward, it's so good. <laughs> um, so we, a lot of, like, what we think about it, think of when it comes to modern war literature um probably starts with world war one because that was the first time that people obviously people have been writing about war for literally time immemorial but world war one was is pretty much known as the first instance where people were really talking about what war is like it's not just about glory or you know the fatherland or you know being a man but it, like, fucking sucks. Like, you know, World War One, the war to end all wars, it, it, you know, as you probably learned in your high school history class, was just, like, fucking terrible because you had all this trench warfare and all this other bullshit-ass crap. Chris, why are you, like, cat-cowing right now? Oh, I'm just, like, because I was sitting for too long and my leg is asleep. Okay. Just, ignore me. <laughs> Great. Um... <laughs> So, so you have writers like um, the poets Siegfried Sassoon and Wilfred Owen. Um, um, shit, Dolce et Decorum Est is it probably um, like a thing you read in high school. Um, you've got Hemingway, who um, writes about both World War One and the Spanish Civil War, which he fought in for. I don't know why, because Hemingway was bored and wanted to kill things because Hemingway. Uh, Ford Maddox Ford, um, All Quiet on the Western Front, like all very famous works that came out of this time. So just really talking about what it's like being on the front lines, like watching your friends die, like mustard gas, getting like weird ass gangrene. Like this is all horrible things they were talking about. And I will probably, as we're in the last one, weird ass gangrene. Um, but anyway, these are... I, I apparently just registered for a literature class for my upcoming, like, first semester on World War One literature, so you'll probably hear me oh, saying cool. more things about that later on in the fall. Uh, but that's happening. Um, so anyway, World War One again, opened the gates for talking about um, how horrible war actually is. World War Two, you had folks like Evelyn Waugh and T.S. Eliot and William Golding, and that's where um, things kind of gotten to what I guess we would call like post-apocalyptic almost um sorts of writing um so you know T.S. Eliot had the wasteland and then of course William Golding had Lord of the Flies and it was just like oh is the entire world like just fucking super morally bankrupt because we did this again fuck all of us um and with bigger bombs correct with much bigger bombs and it was terrible um, Evelyn Waugh is an interesting case also. Happier with your mouth more open. Yes. <laughs> Happier and with your bombs explodey. <laughs> Such splode. Uh, so I feel like sad. that's the premise of Watchmen, but. I mean, kind of. I mean, I'm. Uh, uh, Sorry, that was a tangent. Continue. I'll get to that, honestly. Um, Evelyn Waugh is also interesting because I think he's also more so. Uh, and Hemingway a little bit, I suppose, in um, The Sun Also Rises. Also talking more about, like, the emotions of like what war does to you and which I think fully more fully comes to fruition when we get to Vietnam war literature, which I think very, very directly uh, ties into Twilight Company. So when you're talking about Vietnam, obviously the probably the first and only name you think of is Tim O'Brien, um, the things they carried <laughs> as Miranda just laughs at me. <laughs> You're um, very knowledgeable about literature. Uh, yes. It's very impressive. 
I don't I don't know. Nobody else thought of any names at all. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> I don't know. I as, as no 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 no. Fuck You're you, Chris. That's not that's not insulting you. That's insulting no, I, the rest of us. Chris spoke for me. I'm just very impressed right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also like a Tim O'Brien fangirl, so it's fine if y'all have listened to the podcast before. I've definitely talked about Tim O'Brien before because I wrote my undergraduate thesis on him, basically. Um, anyway, she met, also she met him PhD and she cried. Words, so yeah, a little bit. Cried only a little bit. He also cried a little bit. <laughs> it was fine. I told him I wrote my undergrad thesis on him, and he was like, "What the fuck? Why would you do that to yourself?" <laughs> Which was very sweet of him. Anyway, um, so Vietnam again, like talking about actually like what war does to your psyche and what it does to you psychologically and you know tim o'brien is um god bless him very open about um his mental health and his ptsd and you know what that has done not only to himself but also his family um so you know obviously a very significant i think step forward in not only like talking about war and war literature but also Obviously, all of the folks I just mentioned are men, and so, you know, what, what, what is war in terms of, like, masculinity, and especially toxic masculinity, um, is something that's happening, and I don't know, um, Alexander Freed's background in terms of, um, you know, whether, I think, I do believe he is the Vietnam generation, but I'm not, or very close after it, but I'm not entirely sure, like, if he had specifically a military career or anything like that, um, for more on that, probably, um, uh, Pod Dad Brian Larson just posted on to the Utashi Station Radio Mega Feed. There was a panel at Star Wars Celebration about milita- the military and Star Wars, and Alexander Freed and a uh, friend of the pod, John Liang. Um, Alexander Freed was born in 1950. Yes. So he was very much a uh, Vietnam generation draft yeah. eligible man. Yeah. All right. That's like a quick Google search. I don't know if he served, but I, I I googled his like website biography and it didn't mention it. And obviously, I'm not gonna like Google deeper than that because I'm not a fucking creep. But <laughs> if he didn't, I'm sure he knew a lot of people who like were heavily involved in that. Yeah, so. I bet absolutely. I mean, it, Vietnam is a thing because it like fucked up an entire fucking generation, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, as <laughs> Miranda is just like woo. Um, Anyway, the um, John Liang, our friend of the pod, um, and 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 pa- Patreon supporter, what up? Um, they both and a, fo- a couple of other folks were um, on that panel at Star Wars Celebration, and we have the audio. So if you want to listen to it, please do so. I honestly should have listened to it before doing this podcast, but here we are. Um, the last thing I want to mention is um, currently we do have literature coming out of the Gulf War, and it's kind of like this horrible like postmodern like i guess study of what warfare is like where it's just like as pointless as as vietnam was it's like gotten even more fucking pointless and also highly automated which is also horrifying um so um you know i'm thinking about um kevin powers the yellow birds um that sort of thing so all of that is to say that, um, you know, we we see in Twilight Company, I think, uh, a culmination of all that sort of thing. You know, we get we get a lot of, like, what war does to your mental state. We get a lot of, well, I this is a war, so, you know, my entire squad just fucking died. So that's cool in one fell swoop. We get, you know, we get a lot of, um, 
you know, this is, it's Star Wars, right? So some of the war machine technology is kind of fucking horrifying because you've got, like, blasters and shit. Um, so, yeah, that, just wanted to give a little bit of background for people who might not know the entire spiel. (laughs) Well, that's good to know, because I think, like, this very much falls into that kind of category like for the galaxy far far away and it's something that we haven't really seen a whole lot of before yeah as we've discussed as we've read this book definitely and it's it's an important distinction to make because i've said it a thousand times before on this podcast it's not the grand strategy it's what's happening like on the ground Mm -hmm. and it's important for us to like step back and take a look at what's actually happening right and like how it affects people and i think that alexander freed did a very good job in writing this at doing that yes no i i I think i think you both said it perfectly and i think again it's it's almost frustrating to have to say again rogue one because but rogue one really is the spiritual partner to this book and you know, Rogue One was so critically acclaimed for all these same reasons. You know, you see the people you haven't heard of. And, you know, beside the obvious, yeah, because the movie wasn't written yet. But, like, these are the people who died. And these are the people who didn't get to tell their own stories. And there's something that's just so powerful about that that Twilight Company, of all the books that we've read, I think taps into in a really visceral way. Totally. Absolutely. Um, so obviously, all of us enjoyed this book, um, but what, obviously, again, we were saying the book is so different, but why is it, Kristen wrote his outline, Kristen, who is, uh, now fucked off to get beer with a Dane, um, is Thanks, like, Kristen. <laughs> is, her question is, why exactly is this book so good and enjoyable to read? And I think it is because of, like, all those things we've just said, like, it's different because it really gets into the fucking nitty-gritty of what war is like. But what else, if anything, do we think is different about this book in terms of, like, topic or writing or anything that makes it so appealing and so different? What we just talked about. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. No, I, th- I think we just covered it. And for me like because it's different and it's not what we're used to it's kind of like that breath of fresh air and like totally yeah 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 and actually it, it as much as i was being a shit why seconds ago why i i think there's a larger point to be made here about that that we've made in the past on this podcast about kind of the nature of the star wars canon right now And the fact that we have so many different creators involved and so many different channels and so many different media and so many different stories that we're telling is that you can have this difference in the stories that we're getting. You can have an Alexander Freed and a Claudia Gray and a Chuck Wendig all at the same time and and a DJ Older. And like you have all these completely unique writing styles and that's just looking at books you can also have a star wars resistance and a rebels and the last jedi all of which are completely different in their tone and the way that they treat 
these really serious issues. And I feel like that is one of the strengths and one of the reasons that we do this podcast, frankly, and one of the reasons that we talk about these issues from like an in-universe perspective and how it all fits together because you have all of the different uh, tones and all of the different modes of storytelling trying to fit together in one big convoluted puzzle and it like it makes it makes stuff like this stand out that much more definitely um and in terms of the writing style i think probably um the last thing i want to add is that um it's a very clean i want to say like and really straightforward kind of writing style which makes sense because you're talking about military people but also it's got a lot of really i think cool stylistic flourishes like alexander free does not necessarily shy away from poetic language which is, again is um one of um those things that i really think emerges from um the history of american war literature you know obviously like the first pretty much some of the first modern war literature we get is poetry and um they're you know they're just like phrases and descriptions that are um grotesque but also like paint a very vivid picture i think like the first uh, moment where i was like oh i'm gonna really like this writer is like uh, probably within the first like 10 pages after uh that first prologue of namir um being on, on crucible when he's like 15 or whatever the fuck is um he he, he makes comfort constant reference to um this comms operator that he had been sleeping with but um what and she's never named but one of the things he says was that they the way the way that alexander freed tells us that amir has been sleeping with this now dead lady is that they um quote unquote wrote obscene poetry certain nights when they were like really fucking bored and stressed out and i was just like that is such it was like that is such a perfect and good phrase for what was going on there um at least from my understanding of like what in between like military conflict is like it's like either you're about to die or you're really fucking bored <laughs> and it was just i don't know it was just it was, it was very it was very it was very apt and 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 i enjoyed it yeah. um i missed that entirely oh just for the record <laughs> i think i started reading i was like oh they wrote obscene poetry like love to have a friend <laughs> 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 just a couple of friends Heavy air quotes, writing obscene poetry together. Miranda. Miranda. <laughs> Don't at me. Yeah, this is why you're a baby burb. That's why I'm a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, thank God. But so, and I don't know if this is just like how I read or because it's like just the nature of this book that's about war, but like I felt as though a lot of things, a lot of sequences in this book were very fast-paced. Because mm-hmm. when I read, like, a battle scene, there's one of two things. It could be that it's actually written fast-paced or, like, I don't really care as much about battle scenes, so I'm just, like, skimming through it. Controversial opinion, but all right. <laughs> I know. I know it's a terrible take. <laughs> and I, no, I was... I was I, honestly, I was about to say that's a fucking mood. <laughs> I would not apologize for it, but I think that they were well-written in this for book. Sure. And so, like, it, it, I could really tell that they were supposed to feel fast-paced because that's what the battle is like, especially, um, oh, God, what, when they, like, 
go to the Imperial freighter or whatever it is, and they're like, we have five fucking minutes to get off this ship. That's exactly what I was thinking. And when like, you said that. he's he's counting. Namir is like the kind of narrator, the third person narrator in this, whatever. Um, and like every thirty seconds, you're like, there's four minutes and thirty seconds left. And there's four minutes left. And I'm just reading faster and faster. Like, oh, shit, we're running out of time. As though, like, me reading it is somehow going to get them off the ship. Right. Right. I just thought that was something that was, like, so well done. Yeah. Totally. It was amazing. Yeah. Totally agree. I mean, it, Chris, what that makes me think of is... um, um So, Chris and I have been watching um Chernobyl, which is the the um the HBO miniseries about the... Chernobyl? Whole- mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. It's a misleading title. <laughs> Horrible nuclear disaster. But um, anyway, so. Um, Chris, is that good? It's, it's so It's amazing. Good. I'm deeply invested in such topics. so Which makes sense. I right? haven't started. We'll talk, we'll talk off pod, but okay. you yeah. need to watch it. It's, it's incredible. And if you're watching it, definitely also listen to the podcast, um, especially if you're interested in these things from like a writing and a storytelling standpoint. Um because um, the writer and director and producer, um, he goes through all of that. Yes, Miranda. Miranda. I was going to say, is that a question or are you it identifying is, yourself as why, why are you things? raising your hand? Yes. Uh, poor Canalis Bova. But just to be clear, when you say the pod, you are not referring to at Bookworth's pod. Is there some kind of Chernobyl podcast? Correct. It is literally called Chernobyl, Chernobyl, the podcast. And it's the writer slash director slash producer, or not. Right, uh, not director. Writer, creator, producer. Thank you. Sorry, director, is somebody else. Apologies to that guy. Um, <laughs> Definitely a listener. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, but it's hosted by uh, Peter Sagal from fucking Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which Yo, is the most ridiculous fucking shit ever. It's very incongruous. It's it's very incongruous. Amazing. Like not in a bad way. It's an amazing podcast, but um, it is extremely incongruous if you grew up listening to fucking like Bluff the Listener. And Peter Sagal and Carl Castle talking about what you win for guessing that actually the story about wasps going up someone's butthole is the truth one. It's the truthful <laughs> one. Um, wait, wait, don't tell me he's a national treasure. Anyway, um, but it's great. Yes. Anyway, um, so this is just reminding me of Chris and I just watched the fourth episode. And I will not actually spoil people in Chernobyl because it's ongoing and I actually enjoy it on like Game of Thrones, which I don't care about. <laughs> spoiling people about sorry but i'm not anyway chernobyl's good yeah so we're watching the fourth episode and basically um there is a very tense like nine sequence that is specifically um blocked out to be 90 seconds like they have 90 seconds to do this one task and then they have to get the fuck out because radiation and it is literally 90 seconds oh that sounds so stressful and it feels like two fucking hours and it's like that and it's that kind of storytelling i think that alexander fried is like so good at like it feels like you you're really feeling it like in your body like you're there so yeah chernobyl great but also very brutal and if you're really squeamish then Watch Maybe skip episode three. <laughs> don't don't watch the TV show about a nuclear disaster. Correct. All right. So it's not like X Men. Oh my god! Shut up. All right. All that being said, we don't know that yet. Oh my! <laughs> I hate you both. Pretty sure a bunch of them do. Because <laughs> they died, Miranda. Because they died. Is that what happened in Chernobyl? Yeah. Cool. People died. 
Yeah. Big if true. Nobody died. It was a very well-handled incident. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was totally fine. That's what the KGB is still saying. (laughs) God. Sorry, this got way off track. (laughs) Technically, it's not the KGB anymore. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I need to move off of this. Fuck! All right. Anyway, um, so all of this, all of this is the same. I don't even remember what we were talking about. I, uh, the storytelling. Yes. Uh, okay. Um. Anyway, it is very good. Um. And you know, since 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 the storytelling of this was so fucking good, we we are definitely excited for uh, Alphabet Squadron forthcoming from Alexander Freed. But what do we expect? I guess storytelling wise, out of Alphabet Squadron, besides the fact that he's definitely going to crush our souls. Yeah, honestly, my response to this question is, so this this is going to be a story that has a point, and you're still not going to care, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, there's <laughs> Big, if true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm a Dodgers fan, if you've heard me mention it, and there's a Dodgers blogger who, like, is, you know, kind of like one of the SB Nation bloggers, and, like, we'll always get you know, all these people of, like, what's your prediction for how the Dodgers are going to do this year? Or what's your prediction for how they're going to do in the playoffs? Or, you know, whatever. And anytime... He gets that. He just responds with the exact same YouTube clip of <laughs> Mr. T in the A-Team just being like, my prediction, pain. <laughs> that, is, that is how I feel about Alphabet Squadron. <laughs> Thank God. That is, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> that and your hair is in it, so I'm fucking excited, but you know. Pain. Oh, it's only pain if she mentions Kanan and or Broccoli Boy. Oh my god. I would, well, I don't know about Kanan. I think Broccoli Boy will probably be in there. Okay, so for some of us who are maybe not super caught up on, or who did not bother to read what Alphabet Squadron is going to be about. So and, and Miranda Spire. Yeah. It's about a ragtag it, group of pilots. In Star Wars? In front of my Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> no, so, like, I I know it's about, like, a squadron. Is it, like, in the Rebel Alliance? Or it is is it's kind of, like, in the aftermath-ish, almost. Okay. Um, yeah, period. post-Return of the Jedi. Yeah, period of time. Uh, they're trying to, like, basically... in the. So it's going to be a trilogy. And, um, oh, okay. Yeah, so the first book is they're focused on them trying to take out this, um, basically this elite squad of, like, Imperial TIE Fighters. Okay, cool. Yeah, and they're kind of, like, again, ragtag bunch of... And the reason why they're called Alphabet Squadron is, like, there's one, like, X-Wing pilot and Y-Wing. There's an A-Wing. There's a U-Wing and what is the last one? B. 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 My dad! <laughs> ah, no respect for B-Wings. Damn! Damn! <laughs> Fuck. I'm sorry. I don't even hate B-Wings. Anyway, go on. <laughs> All I know is, so, arcs for Alphabet Squadron ran out a few weeks ago. We, this podcast, did not get them. A couple of our Thanks a lot, station, Tom. JK. I love you, Tom. JK, Tom, we I'm, love you. We're actually, we're legitimately kidding. <laughs> um, a couple of our Tashi Station colleagues have read it um, from art copies just for reviewing purposes and such, mm-hmm. and I would I think it comes out the 11th, so I think you can expect those reviews within the next two weeks. Yes. Um, we, we are very obviously not a review podcast, so it makes complete sense. Like, sorry, Tom. No, we're not no, actually. No, like, like was just not, Kate. No, I'm legitimately kidding. Tom's going to, like, like going to, like, lie on the floor and cry about it, and I feel really bad. He's not going to actually cry about it, but he's going to be like, oh. <laughs> he's he's, he's going to feel disappointed. Oh, no, um, Tom, I'm sorry. But anyway, point being, there we know people who have read it 
we have not gotten any spoilers, but uh, basically what I, you know, what people have been saying about it is that it's a lot of feelings and it will kind of rip your heart out as Alexander Freed is wont to do. And then Tom at Darth Internus himself tweeted last week or two weeks ago uh, something along the lines of, we were in a staff meeting, you know, reading and discussing the manuscript for Alphabet Squadron 2, and somebody said, man, is the first one really going to be the happy book in the trilogy? <laughs> and I was like, cool, 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 guess I'll fucking die. Um, and for those of y'all who were, um, you know, were fans of Legends back when it wasn't fucking Legends, it's definitely been called, like, basically the spiritual successor to... Rogue and Wraith, Wraith Squadron. I had alcohol, and now I can't talk anymore. Um, but, yeah, so if you love those books, and I know many people did, like, get fucking pumped. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we have a couple social media questions, and then we're starting to run heavy. So in, in honor of Kristen, who has dropped off, we should wrap up in the next five minutes, or else she's going to make us split it into two. It's true. All right, so we only have two social media questions let me just double check that real quick somebody write down this timestamp. it is 125 honestly kristen's gone i'm gonna have to listen to it all anyway when i edit yeah that's fair enough all right um uh so our first social media question is from at tom the fanboy on twitter um who's been listening for a little bit and interacting with us um we by the way love interacting with listeners um I only bite Chris, so if you want to talk to me, because I basically run the Twitter, like, please do, because I'm bored at work pretty much all the time. Um, so he asks, if we got another boots-on-the-ground story, like Twilight Company or Inferno Squad, would you rather see Resistance-era characters or a new canon spin on the old Republic Commando-type books? And um, for those who um, are not familiar, it's Republic Commando is... What, KOTOR? No, it's not, not Clone KOTOR, Wars. it's Clone Wars. Sorry. Yeah. I've got KOTOR on the brain since that, like, fake BuzzFeed argolite. Um, yeah, so PS2 questions, that's part one, so let's answer that first. Would you rather see Resistance or would you rather see Clone Wars? Well, now that you said KOTOR, I kind of want to see KOTOR. <laughs> like the, the Jedi Sith war of thousands of years ago yeah. on the ground yeah like when when there were like thousands and thousands and thousands of Jedi that'd be kind of cool that would be cool I, it'd be like I, I think it would that these are words that are all together I think something like that would be kind of a cross between like this and Dark Disciple interesting Mm. based on what I've read just like I could be totally making that second part up but I feel like there's a lot of I mean Dark Disciple had a lot of like espionage shit lots of espionage lots of Jedi tactics that weren't like big picture Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I think to see that combined with, like, just on kind of how I'm envisioning this book being laid out. Yeah. As, like, a time, or as being set in a time where there's, like, a fuck ton of Jedi, um, it would make sense to me. And now yeah. that's what I want. So thank you. That would be cool. That would be cool. For me, I mean, of the, I, I, just, I, I actually really don't want to see a book like this for the Resistance era. At specifically, least, um, go ahead. Well, at least for in terms of like, we don't know what happens in that year between the Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker yet. So, yeah, but how much could? I don't fucking know. Like, I mean, we'll see. Obviously, over the it's next six months. It's a big galaxy, so, Chris. For those who haven't read it, the the Vanity Fair cover article on 
Rise of Skywalker, which I think comes out in print this week and came out online with some pictures and online and uh, the online article last week, um, says that it, it's about a year between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. But for me, the resistance is not big enough to have a story like this. Like, I feel like the beauty of this story is it's like the microcosm in the storm. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I don't think, I feel like the entire resistance is the microcosm. Like we have right. Star Wars resistance, which is kind of this, like what becomes a crack team of, you know, people who aren't soldiers and end up fighting for the resistance. But other than that, you know, we see in last Jedi, there's not a lot of them. Right. I mean, like basically, I mean, I don't know what it would be otherwise than a retelling of basically the Battle of Crate because that's kind mm-hmm. of all we've had so far, as far as we know. Like, I don't know if they've had, like... I don't know, Resistance... Yeah, and I don't want that. Yeah, I mean, well, Resistance, uh, the TV show shows us basically that, like, a lot of what is going on between um, the Resistance and the First Order is a lot of espionage-type shit and a lot of, like, I don't know, my I want to say minor skirmishes. Yeah. But, um, unless we have some clarification in the canon um which i feel like it has to be forthcoming after the rise of skywalker because like there's 30 fucking years up in there um between um the original and the sequel trilogy but um yeah i don't know i i i obviously the clone wars did a lot for um making the clones individuals but also you know in honor of Kristen, i could always i could always do with more clones yeah <laughs> Like, why the fuck not? Yeah, of the options presented, I would absolutely, I would love stories of clones rather than Resistance. And, you know, we'll see. We we have, obviously, Resistance Reborn coming from Rebecca Roanhorse in October, November, I think, Um, which is the the novel tie-in to the the Rise of Skywalker publishing line. I'm so excited. I love Rebecca Roanhorse so much. No, it's going to be amazing. I'm very much not down on that. Like, I'm so excited for that story, but that one seems very focused on kind of our main characters, like Poe, Finn, Rey, Leia, etc. Yeah, all I wanted to say was that if you haven't read Trail of Lightning, fucking fix your life and read it. Because I read... I, I'm not a fast reader in the slightest, and I read half of that book in, like, one day, which is a bunch for me. And so, yeah, it was fun. Um, so the second part of uh, Tom the Fanboy's question is, um, if they, they were to make a Battlefront 3, would you want um, more of a resistance sort of time period or you want more of a Clone Wars sort of time period? I think the answer for me is probably the same, just based off of playing the, like, online mode on Battlefront 2. Like, um, you know, you can play as um, a soldier on Crate or um, where the, was, is it Kashyyyk where you are in Clone Wars? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I enjoyed playing the Battle, Battle Crate, but, like, I think probably Clone Wars has more um, environments that you can explore that weren't even necessarily depicted in the cartoon. So, like, gameplay-wise, like, I think that'd be cool just to see those places. Yeah, and I think that goes back to your point about the fact that, like, there's no time between the end of The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, and if we're only getting a year between The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, like... That's very different. There's no time for anything to actually kind of grow within the galaxy. Uh, in the original trilogy, it spans, what, like six, five, six years or so? Four years. Four About. years? 
but that's enough time for things to and like obviously things were building up beforehand right um and then the clone wars were a couple of years that's enough time for something to build up on like a galaxy-wide scale so i think like based on that alone we have more options totally yeah i, I agree i would like them to not make battlefront 3 damn okay jesus Sorry, I'm like very nervous about where Star Wars is going with video games these days. I just don't think like I think I think it would need to be something completely different than what exists right now, and I don't think that the I don't think that the groundwork is laid for that in the canon as it exists right now. See, see like you- ask me again in 6 months once season 7 of Clone Wars has come out. Once, you know, obviously Rise of Skywalker has come out, there's going to be more room, like, and I reserve the right to completely, you know, 180 on this, as as one does. But as of right now, like, I feel like this is, like, I don't know, this, the concept of that, like, doesn't excite me as much. I don't know. Personally, I think, like, I don't think the problem is making a game we've never seen before. I think it's telling stories of char- like characters that we've never seen before but also making sure that it's not ground that we've tread before like I, I if you've listened to our bonus episodes on um Star Wars Celebration one of the things we've said is that we want to be more excited about um Jedi Fallen Order uh, white cane and jars yes yeah like except that the storyline literally is retreading um basically what Kane and Jarrus's story is um the, the beauty of, you know, Battlefront 2, which came out just before The Last Jedi, is that, you know, Iden Versio and Del Mico and, you know, what happens with the the rest of Inferno Squad, both on the Imperial and the Rebellion side, that's that's not necessarily a story we've seen before. And, and, it, and it was great to see, um, you know, such, you know, I, it, it was, again, one of those cases where we saw the galaxy-wide civil war on a very small human scale, um, which was super cool. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to um, another Battlefront game. I just think that, you know, you need to have the right story for it. Like, I mean, honestly, I was um, I was talking to my coworker, Joe Butera of Joe Butera Design fame, the dude who um, designed our um, podcast logo because he's a lovely human. Like, he and I were saying, like, why have they still not made a fucking like stupid podcast pod, podcast um pod racing game no, that's that you can play it with your friends at like fucking mario kart at a fucking party like why have they not made that yet like i would i would love that because it would be silly and also a lot of fun but they haven't made that yet i don't know why please take the license away from ea anyway they could call it now. That's what I p- call pod racing. That yeah. would be beautiful. I and would to be, love that. And I think to be they... clear, we know that this exists in old systems. We mean in like modern. Yeah, yeah, next yeah. Gen, hashtag next gen yeah. gaming. Yeah. I know it's now this is pod racing, but like I could, I could get some copyright shit. Yes. <laughs> uh, I just. It's a very bad joke. I, thank you for, I, thank I you really, for hanging with that. us. I we were really, literally just talking about I the fucking get... now music like things that over the weekend at the wedding we were at. Anyway, I want to get cool. to mid-November and I want us to be eating our words about um, Fallen Order. Fallen Order. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. Um, like I want it to be amazing. Yeah, but like, I just, I'm, I'm 
worried. Like, I'm gonna have fun regardless, because I'm gonna be, like, fooming a fucking lightsaber, Exactly, right? like, it, yeah, it's a Star Wars. Like, it's a Star Wars, like, I'm gonna enjoy it, it's gonna be fun, but is it gonna be, like, objectively good in terms of, like, storytelling? I don't fucking know. We'll see. Signs point to don't count on it. Anyway. Uh, we have one more, sto- we have one more question, yes. and, well, one more statement to agree with or disagree with, and then we have to drop. Um, uh, a <laughs> uh, long-time listener, friend of the pod, caretaker of official turtle of the pod dribbles, at DannyPurtle19 from Twitter, um, will, will, says, Step aside, Skywalker. Nian Noon is the truest hero of the rebellion. To which I say yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, one of them is a useless twink and one of them isn't. This is my Elmo Flames gif. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's cool. That's it. Um, cool. Good ending. Good wrap up, guys. Um, thank you all so much for listening <laughs> to the Book Wars pod. Uh, it has been great having the whole crew back together. Uh, our next episode, we are going to be starting a new book. We're going to be reading Most Wanted by Ray Carson. Start of the book through chapter 10. We're very excited to start reading about yep. this book. Fucking finally. We're supposed to read in 2018 and then our schedule got all fucked up. So sorry, guys. Um, also here to tell you um, the day that this drops is going to be the last day of the contest we're running for all of the amazing shit we picked up at Star Wars Celebration. So make sure you enter that. Um, instructions are um, in posts on our Instagram and, and our Twitter. I'll repost that a few billion fucking times. Um, the contest ends um, on the day that this podcast drops at midnight. So, like, as soon as it hits 11.59, like, that's the, your And that's the 31st. Chance. Yep, that's correct. That's April 31st. Is that Eastern time? Let's say Pacific. Let's go okay. wild with it. I don't fucking know what I put. Um, <laughs> I could be lying. Honestly, if you live on the West Coast, just try and get it in before 9 p.m. Because I might be lying. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what I put. And I had alcohol this podcast, so who the fuck even knows? Anyway, um, again, we are only pulling winners from Rafflecopter entries. So if you have previously reviewed the pod, make sure you um, go to the contest entry page and stick that into the little Rafflecopter widget because otherwise it's not going to count. And then you're going to be sad. And we don't like you to be sad. We only like Chris to be sad. So just make sure you've done all those things. Yeah. We want you to win things. So yes, please do that. Yes. Yeah. And Chris and I are about to move and we're going to get this crap all out of our house. So, you know. Yeah. Just the John Jackson Miller. Don't make me take this home. <laughs> Oh, I love JJM so much. Uh, Such a dad. Anyway, as Kate was saying, you can find contest details on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us there as well and talk to us uh, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr at BookWarsPod. Email us at BookWarsPod at gmail.com. And rate, review, and subscribe to us and the Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed. Just a hint, reviewing the pod on iTunes is one of the things you can do for points in the raffle copter competition. Yes. Um, also, different actions are weighted differently in terms of points. Like following the Twitter, I think, is three points versus rating or reviewing the pot on iTunes, which is worth five. So. Yeah. So if you want to win shit, you should rate and review the pod. Just just saying. That's probably your best bet, you know, if, if we're telling the odds. Great. Uh, in the meantime. Oh, shit. If you. Books. <laughs> 
If you have the means and are so inclined, please donate to the Tasha Station Radio Patreon. It helps us cover our hosting and production costs. And if you do, you'll get to join the Patreon Slack where you can see exclusive videos of me and Miranda making fools of ourselves with the Oculus Quest on Vader Immortal. Uh, also, give us coffee at ko-fi.com slash bookwarspod. Our theme song is Whiz Bang by Poddington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joe Butera Design. For a long-gone Kristen, for Kate and Miranda, I am Chris. Thank you so much for listening to the Book Wars Pod. And Miranda, it has been lovely having you in the soon-to-be-defunct Cedar apartment here in scenic Arlington, Virginia. East Coast HQ. Yeah. yeah, thanks for letting me just invite myself to East Coast HQ. We are glad w- to have you anytime between now and the end of June. I would not have been on the podcast this week otherwise, so really appreciate it. This was great. Anyway, thank you all for listening. We will talk to you next week. Yeah, honestly, I was kind of wondering, like, we should probably text Kristen. Oh, can we not stop it? No. No. Well, because if she had stopped it, it would have cut us off. Right. Oh, I... I'll text her.